We at Amazing Stories are thankful for and gracefully accept the donations we receive from our listeners from across the world who count on the unique programming we provide. You too can donate through the link provided in the description section of each episode. Please keep in mind that the continued support from our growing audience helps us fulfill our mission of bringing you a new amazing story every day. Thank you for listening, and we hope you continue to enjoy our stories. Will, look. In front of them is a great plain extending into the mist. The light is dull and exists everywhere, equally so that there are no true shadows. There are adults and children, ghost people, so numerous that Lyra can't guess at their number. Can you talk? Can you understand me? The ghost children think the dragonfires are demons. They end. But if my own demon was here, you could all stroke him. My hands pass right through them. They're like mist. I think they're trying to warm themselves by walking through us. I'm turning numb. Please. We wish we could warm you all and touch you all, but we came down here to look for someone. That little girl seems fascinated by your wound. Did the harpies do that? Yeah, but if that's all they can do, I am worried. It isn't. They do worse. What? It's not so bad for them that's been here hundreds of years. It's the new ones they like tormenting most. We came here to find a boy called Roger. Why are you bothering? Lyra wants to speak to him, and I want to find my father, John Parry. My friend's called Roger Parslow. Tell them it's Lyra and Will. Run, run. You must run. The harpies are back. <coughs> William Parry, mummy's boy, mad mummy, lonely mother. She's off her head, is Elaine Parry. Oh, don't listen, Will. The harpies snap at the air as if they're eating insects. They mock his mother with a stream of filthy words, yet part of his mind is cold and separate. Tialis, Salmachia, I've just realised. Yes, Will? The harpies don't want to touch us. It was an accident when that one hurt Lyra. They're no physical threat. I think you're right. This way. Come with us. We'll find Roger Parslow and John Parry. So they set off across the desolate plain and the harpies wheel overhead, screaming but keeping their distance. The Galavespians fly above them, keeping watch. Where are your demons? We left them outside, where it's safe. Did you have a demon? Yes. His name was Sandling. I loved him. Had he settled into a fixed shape? No. But he was a bird most often. What's your demon called? Pantalimon. Everyone says when you die, they vanish. But I know my sandling is somewhere. Will? Yes? I want to take all the ghosts outside. Once we've found Roger and your father, let's open a way for them to get back into the world. Roger? Are you Roger? Yes, I'm Roger Parslow. Roger, Lyra is here. Lyra! Lyra! Step by step. The living girl draws closer to the boy she had brought to his death. How do you say hello to someone you helped kill? When Roger and Lyra come face to face, it happens quite suddenly. There he is. In among the press of ghosts, his face as full of delight as a ghost's can be. Lyra, 
I'd never thought I'd see you again. He rushes to embrace her. They can never truly touch again. Roger, I'd never forget you. But I'd done the wrong thing when Pan got my demon away from Lord Asriel's. We shouldn't have tried to fight. We should have run to you. That wasn't your fault, stupid. It was me that brought you there in the first place. Where's Pan? I had to leave him on the shore. It was horrible. It hurt so much. This is a terrible place, Lyra. There's no change when you're dead. Then bird things whisper all the bad stuff you ever did. And you can't get away. Perhaps you can. What do you mean? Well, the witches have got a prophecy about me. I'm not supposed to know. I'm going to do something important in another world. And Lord Azrael, before he went through into the new world, said death is going to die. So I've got to help all the ghosts escape from here forever. Will, what are you and Lyra going to do now? Let the dead out. Magnificent! That's the greatest blow you could strike. The authority will be helpless after that. Then we'll have to get out of here and find our demons. Have you said anything to the ghosts? No, in case it doesn't work. I've got to find a world I can open and those harpies are watching all the time. I don't want to let those things escape. We could distract them whilst you cut through. Yeah, please. Will holds the knife loosely, but the first cut opens onto rock. Again and again he finds rock. Lyra notices and comes over. Roger follows. Will, what's wrong? I'm going to have to move away from here so I can get a window above ground. I told Roger what we're trying to do. But Will, I'm scared. Suppose we get stuck here forever. If the worst happens, we'll just cut a tunnel. So we're not really trapped? Will, have your knife ready. The harpies are congregating. Salmakia and I will hold them off as long as we can. I'll talk to the ghosts. I'll try and distract them. You don't want them guessing, or they'll give it away. Yeah. Listen to me, everyone. Roger and me, we grew up together. We lived at Jordan College, Oxford. And we used to climb up onto the roofs and run about. And then one time, we went down to the master's wine cellar and we got drunk. We used to have loads of fights with the Clayburners children. And then we'd all jump into the river to get clean. Harpies, you've been listening too. Yes. Thousands of years ago, when the first ghosts came down here, the authority gave us the power to see the worst in everyone. And that's what we fed on. Now you're planning to lead the ghosts out into the air. Is that why they're here? Look at the sky. My children, I'll see them again. And we shall tear and defile every ghost that sets foot in the world of the living. <laughs> Roger, Roger, I should never have come here. What have I done? Harpies, come back. You want my anger. Listen, why did you fly at Lyra at the gate? Because she lied. And you kept silent just now because? It was nourishing because it was true. Then let's make a bargain with you. Instead of seeing only the wickedness in the ghosts, you now have the right to ask everyone to tell the truth about what they've seen and done. Why should ghosts 
take any notice of us if they can simply walk out into the world again. We have prayed. We need duty and a task to do. You are the guardians and keepers of this place. Your task will be to guide the ghost through the land of the dead to the new opening out into the world. In exchange, they will tell you their stories. And we have the right to refuse to guide them if they lie. Whoever dies and brings nothing stays here. That is fair. Are we going to vanish like our demons did? Lyra, ask the idiometer. Yeah. When you go out of here, all the particles that make you up will loosen and float apart, just as your demons did. Like them, you'll be part of everything alive again. <laughs> well, have we nearly put an end to death? Yeah. Soon death is going to die. In Lyra's world, Mrs. Coulter brings the intention craft down in a secluded part of St. Jerome's College grounds. The college is home to the Magisterium's Court of Discipline, and Father MacPhail, the president, lodges here. Still unseen, Lord Roke follows. Mrs. Coulter, I'm very glad to see you. You are under arrest. I came here voluntarily as soon as I escaped from Asriel's fortress. The fact is, Father President, I have a great deal of information about his armies and allies, and about the child. It was your duty to bring her into our care instead of stalking in a cave. If you thought that I'd release my daughter into the care of a body of men with a feverish obsession with sexuality, you're more stupid than you take me for. So what were your intentions? I was going to keep her safe until the danger had passed. What danger would that be? I think you know. Somewhere there's a tempter, a serpent. I wanted to prevent them from meeting. There's a boy with her. Yes, and if you hadn't interfered, they'd both be under my control. The boy has a knife of extraordinary power. I broke it, but it's mended. The knife's called the God Destroyer. And since Azure's aiming to destroy the authority, he'll want it. What do you think dust is? I never found out. I see. We should talk more tomorrow. Mrs. Coulter is taken to a clean but threadbare room with a hard bed and a single coarse wool blanket. She is suddenly aware of another presence in the room. The golden monkey demon looks up at the top of the wardrobe and bares his teeth. We've got a visitor, Marissa. Lord Roke. And when would you have announced your presence? Before you undressed. Tell your demon to calm down or I'll sting him. Shh! I've just spoken to my agent in Lord Asriel's fortress. Lord Asriel presents his compliments and asks you to let him know what the intentions of the Magisterium are. Are you here to spy on me or help? Both. As soon as you arrived, they set some kind of ambaric work in motion down in the cellars. Oh, I'm too tired to worry about that right now. I'm going to sleep. Good night. I will keep watch. Shortly after Mrs. Coulter falls asleep... A figure enters the room. He walks to the bed, leans over her, and with deft and sinewy fingers, removes the gold locket from her neck and opens it. 
Lord Rogue follows him out of the room and down into the laboratories. Here's the child's hair, Dr. Cooper. Is there enough? Ample. How soon can this device be ready? Within a matter of hours. And what do you do with the hair? Place it in the resonating chamber. And it will direct the force of the bomb? Yes, to each of the hairs from which these were cut. So, when it's detonated, the child will be destroyed? Yes. That's the uh, theory, anyway. But the power needed to cause the device to explode is considerable. I've seen to that. The Hydroan Barrack Generating Station at Saint-Jean-les-Eaux has been requisitioned. That should be sufficient. As soon as Father MacPhail is out of earshot, Dr. Cooper feels an agonizing stab at his shoulder. He slides to the floor, racked with waves of pain. Lord Roke pulls the envelope containing Lyra's hair out of Dr. Cooper's twitching hand, then sets off in the shadows towards Mrs. Coulter's room. Mrs. Coulter, wake up! Hmm? Rogue, what is it? They've created a bomb which will destroy your daughter. They're going to use your daughter's hair so that the force can track her. Fortunately, I managed to get the hair back. They took it from your locket as you slept. Some of it's missing. We'll have to find the bomb. Shh, shh, footsteps. Someone's coming. Give me the envelope. Hide. How did you attack Dr. Cooper? Fail. You do like keeping your guests entertained. You have an accomplice. I haven't the faintest idea what you're talking about. My locket. Who's been in my room whilst I slept? Hobbs! Take her to the cellars. Put her in chains. I know just what we can do with this woman. I should have thought of it when she first arrived. The Zeppelin slows to a hover in the buffeting wind above the generating station perched on its platform on a sheer mountainside. Can you get any closer? Not if you want to land, Father MacPhail. Oh, very well. Put us down below the ridge. Yes, Lord President. Lord Roke watches from his hiding place in the transverse bulkheads at the rear of the cockpit. Sensing that the craft is nearly anchored, he makes his way to Mrs. Coulter. The golden monkey sits on her knee, exuding malice. Lord Roke waits for his chance and then darts across to her, hiding in the shadow of her shoulder. Lord Roke, are you staying with me or working on your own? I'll stay with you. I'll have to hide inside your coat. There's a pocket to the left. My demon will fasten the coat when you're in. These manacles don't allow my hands much movement. You ought to come with me, Mum. Can you tell me who has the keys to these handcuffs? I know you can't remove them, but if I know who to ask... The sergeant, Mum. He's over there by the large crate. You ought to stay here, Mum. You heard that, Lord Roke? Yes. Tell me how far away he is. About ten of my paces and to the right. He's a large man. The keys are in a bunch around his waist. I need to know which key. Did you see them lock the manacles? Yes, it has black tape round its shaft. Lord Roke climbs hand over hand down the fleece of Mrs. Coulter's coat till he reaches the hem at the level of her knees and lets go. He leaps at the sergeant's leg as it swings past him and kicks a spur into his flesh just above the boot. 
Lord Roke hauls the key to his shoulder and runs, skirting puddles and boulders till he's back with Mrs. Coulter. Here! I can't do anything till they start to set up the bomb, and even then, I'm not sure how I'll be able to reach Lyra's hair. Hide yourself! I'll stay here and watch! Run! <laughs> Search nearby! Someone is helping the woman! Marisha, look! Lord Rook is lying in the open. Bring him back. He's injured. I'll keep watch on Father MacPhail. <laughs> Father MacPhail's expression is fixed and intense. He prays. His lips move and his eyes turn up as he walks towards the bomb. Lord Roke! My left leg is broken. The last man stepped on me. Lord Roke, I think Father MacPhail is going to sacrifice himself. Father MacPhail strikes his lizard demon from his hand and slams the door of the mesh cage of the severance machine. The technicians make their final adjustments. Then Mrs. Coulter is stumbling and falling towards the bomb. She can see the fine strands of Lyra's hair held between rubber pads and she shakes the cage with all her strength, tearing at the mesh, hurling her whole weight against the machine as Father MacPhail brings the live and barrack wires together. The brilliant silver blade slides down. Marissa, hold on tight. Asriel, how... Is Father MacPhail dead? Did the bomb go off? What about Lyra? What about my daughter? And where's Lord Roke? Dead. Look, Marissa. Everything's tumbling down. That's what comes of setting a bomb off on a mountainside. Extremists aren't always the rational people they think they are. But please, what's happened to Lyra? A few minutes earlier, in the world of the dead, no name has led Lyra, Will, and the Galavespians into a system of caves that will bring them to where they can cut a window into another world. They are followed by the endless column of the dead. Lyra. Lyra, child. Mr. Scoresby. Oh, Mr. Scoresby, I'm so glad. I wish I could hug you. Me too, honey. But listen, they're working some trouble up there, and it's aimed at you. Is this the boy with the knife? Yeah. Well, here's your papa. Son, there's no time to talk. Just do exactly what I say. Find a place now where a lock has been cut from Lyra's hair. Father! There's no time, Will. Find where Lyra's hair's been cut. Take your hand away, Lyra. I can't see. Who did this? I didn't know. Cut the short hair off right down to her scalp. Collect it carefully. Then open another world. Any uninhabited one will do. Put the hair through and close it up. Okay. Do it now. There. Fasten your seat belts. We're in for a bumpy ride. We're sliding. So, Makia, Tiales, climb onto my shoulders. I can't see anything. What happened? I guess it was a bomb. Went off and it missed. Roger, are you there? Yeah, Mr. Perry saved me. Look down. The air clears and a strange golden glimmer like a luminous misty rain falls all around them. It lights up what lies to their left, where the sparkles are all flowing. A vast black emptiness, an abyss. The alethiometer's safe anyway. Roger, Will and me will just carry on, so don't be scared. Yeah, it's creepy though, isn't it? In a shocked silence, 
A column of the dead begin their journey along the edge of the gaping abyss, averting their eyes from the gulf, though it pulls and it tempts. Can you hear that wind? That hole. It's the same kind of thing as when I cut a window. But it's not a world like all the others. I wish I could close it up, but I can't reach. Man, every single part of me is aching to join the rest of the living world again. But perhaps those of us who are used to fighting could hold back. We might be able to throw ourselves into the battle on Asriel's side, and if it came at the right moment, we might make a difference. Ghosts fighting? We can't hurt living creatures, but Asriel's army is going to contend with other beings as well. Like those specters. Exactly. They attack the demon, don't they? Our demons are long gone. Jumping Jimson and weed, it's worth a try. I'm with you, my friend. And you, Chevalier Talit. I have spoken to the ghosts of your people. Your lifespan is short. Will you survive long enough to see the world again? I have a few more days to live. And the Lady Salmachia a few days longer, perhaps. But now, thanks to the children, death is freedom. Then a strange thing happens. Once on Jordan College roof, Lyra had walked along the edge of the stone guttering just to frighten Roger. She turns to remind him of it now. Roger, look! Lyra, be careful, you ain't dead like me! And it seems to happen slowly. Her weight shifts, the stones move under her feet, and she begins to slide. At first it's annoying, then funny, as the stones roll and tumble beneath her, and she slides towards the edge, gathering speed. Lyra, no, then no. the horror slams into her. Help me! Help me! Lyra! Out of the dark swoops no name the harpy. Her claws shut around the girl's wrist. Together they plunge down. Lyra's weight, almost too much for the harpy's strong wings, but they beat and beat, and her claws hold firm. Slowly, heavily, slowly, heavily, the harpy carries the child up and out of the gulf and into Will's reaching arms. Lyra! I nearly... I nearly died! If it wasn't for no name. Yeah, and then you'd have to join the back of the queue. Don't. Falling into the abyss means total extinction. Nothing survives it. Even your ghost. Even your ghost. Look, there's a way out ahead. The slope's getting easier. I should be so glad to get out of here. This looks promising. Let's try the knife. You found an open space? I think so. Well, stop. Listen to me. Father, when I open the window... I won't see you again. Mr. Scoresby and I have an idea. Some of us want to go to Lord Asriel's world. We might be useful. And that's where both your demons are. It is? But your demon can only live its full life in the world it was born in. Elsewhere it will sicken and die. We can travel through other worlds, but we can only live in our own. Lord Asriel's great enterprise will fail for the same reason. We have to build the Republic of Heaven in our own world because for us, there is nowhere else. But now cut a window so the other ghosts can return into the living world. Yes. Fresh air and stars. Look, Roger. Lyra, I never thought I'd see the world again. It's beautiful. I... You're my dear friend. I'll remember you forever. You freed me. Everyone from that horrible place. I can feel Sarsilia's close. I'm going to find her. Then we'll be part of each other. And everything. I'll never forget you. Never. Goodbye, Roger, my dear. Lyra. This is so...
He takes a step forward and finds himself becoming the night, the starlight, the air. And then he is gone, leaving behind him such a vivid burst of happiness. Will and Lyra, Salmachia and Tialis fall exhausted onto the dew-laden grass and watch all the ghosts return joyfully to the living world. I don't understand. Lyra heard me say that death would die. So she went and made sure that there's a way out of the world of the dead. Now ghosts dissolve exactly as their demons did. Dissolve? Dissolve is the wrong word. They return to all creation. My daughter's done that. Our daughter. But why didn't the bomb hurt her? I don't know. We'll just put that down to another failure of judgment on the part of the Magisterium. It is now midnight. In the Adamantine Tower, Lord Asriel sits in discussion with King Agunwe and the Angel Zephania. The news is not good. To compound their troubles, Clouded Mountain is now clearly visible, a hand's breadth above the horizon. Zephania, the Magisterium's bomb has opened an abyss below the worlds. There must be a way down to the edge. I want you to find it. I shall. What are you going to do, Asriel? Destroy Metatron and keep my daughter safe. What about Mrs. Coulter? What about Mrs. Coulter? Marissa, are you awake? Asriel, we should have married and brought Lyra up ourselves. That's what you've been thinking, is it? <laughs> she has changed us. Azriel, what will happen now? Is this the end of everything? Enter. Excuse me, my lord, the two demons have been seen. Close to the eastern gate about five minutes ago. Tell Zafania at once. Yes. Anyone seeing them should first report back to me. It has been desperately hard for Will and Lyra to leave the living world where they've slept the night. But now Lyra's bent over the alethiometer in the land of the dead to find out how to cut through into Lord Azrael's world. We're nearly in the right place. At the end of this tunnel, there's a rock running with water. You cut through there. But there's danger, a battle. Lee Scoresby, Stanislaw Grumman and the dying Tialis and Salmachia scramble upwards with the children. The harpy no-name follows. Life is good, death is over. My only regret, Dr. Grumman, is there's no games a hazard. <laughs> yes. He's the wet rock. Okay, let me just get a steady foothold so I can cut through without slipping. I've been thinking. No name. <laughs> yes, Lyra. You at Bernison name me Lyra Silvertongue. I'm going to call you Gracious Wings. So that's your name from now on. <laughs> I will see you again, Lyra Silvertongue. When I die, I shan't be afraid. Goodbye, gracious wings. Goodbye, child. Are you ready to go through? This is the world of Lord Asriel's Republic. That's what the alethiometer says. Lady Salmachia and I have seen his world before. There's a fortress on a mountaintop. That is what Lord Asriel's defending. 
Lyra and Will have only one task now, and that is to find their demons. I'm ready. Father? Yes, Will? I wish Mum was with us. <gasps> the knife! It's stuck in the air. It nearly broke. Try again. Yes. Open it wider, Will. Quickly. Look over there. Something's moving. Spectres. They're making for that platoon of riflemen. We can fight those things. The ghosts climb out of the earth and pit themselves against the spectres. Lyra feels the first shiver of danger. She suddenly realizes that she's grown up enough to have become vulnerable to their attack. Will! Will! I feel it too. Our demons must be close. Come on. There is a movement in the sky above Lyra and Will. The intention craft flies low over them before moving away into the center of the storm. Mrs. Coulter and her demon are alone in the cockpit and heading for Clouded Mountain. She feels exalted as she brings the craft into land on the substance of the mountain itself, which glows and fades like breathing mother of pearl. Angels approach, carrying a crystal litter. They falter when they see the intention craft. Mrs. Coulter sees they're carrying an indescribably old angel. The angels hurriedly retrieve the poles of the litter and spread their wings wide, carrying it between them into the swirling vapors. Mrs. Coulter is suddenly confronted by a dazzling angel with a spear. Who are you? What is your business? You are Metatron. Yes. I am Mrs. Coulter, Lyra's mother. Where is she? If she were in your power, you would have brought her. I have her demon. Please, great regent, my eyes are dazzled. He draws a veil of cloud in front of himself. Now it's like looking at the sun through smoked glass. Lord Azrael has the child's demon. What does he want with the girl? To keep her from you till she comes of age. He doesn't know where I've gone, and I must get back to him soon. Look at me, great regent. I am telling the truth. I see... corruption. Envy and lust for power. Cruelty and coldness. You have tortured and killed without regret. You are a cesspit of moral filth. That's why I can betray him. You can destroy Azrael and the child. When I was a man, I had many wives. None was as lovely as you. It is time you had a consort. Tell me what Lord Azrael is doing. Tell me where he is. I can take you to him now. The angels carrying the litter leave Clouded Mountain and fly south. Metatron has ordered that the authority should be taken to a place of safety away from the battlefield. Unfortunately, a cliff ghast looks up from where he's feasting 
At once, he spreads his leathery wings and bounds upwards. The rest of the ghasts follow. Meanwhile, Zephania and her angels have searched in vain for the children's demons and instead have found a new crack in the mountainside. Now Lord Azrael is climbing down it into a series of caverns. It isn't totally dark. There are billions of tiny glowing particles flowing down the tunnel like a river of light. The dust is flowing towards that chasm. It looks like the stars from every galaxy in the sky. And each is a conscious thought, Stelmaria. What are those shapes down there? They look like people, but... They're ghosts. This must be the way Lyra came. My daughter. <laughs> Isn't she something? She tricked the king of the armored bears out of his kingdom, and now she's released the ghosts from death. And I want to meet the boy, William Parry. I'd like to shake his hand. By this time, Will and Lyra are soaked through. Lady Salmachia is dying in Lyra's hands. The children stumble blindly over rocks and gullies as they search for their missing demons. Will! Over there! Look! Cliffgarth! Right that way! They're everywhere! Will! Use the knife! Get away! I'll kill you! Oh, they stink! Move back! They've surrounded something! It's like a cage! In the chasm that's opened up under Lord Azrael's fortress, Mrs. Coulter now leads Metatron into the gloom. They stand on a high ledge watching Lord Azrael and Stelmaria, his snow leopard, a long way below. I could kill him now. But I want to see his face when he knows I betrayed him. Wait here. Azrael has heard us. When he's off guard, I'll call you. But come as a shadow so he doesn't see you until it's too late. Marissa, my love. Is Lyra safe? Has she found her demon? The ghost of the boy's father is protecting both demons. Oh, and this is dust. It's beautiful. I never knew. What did you tell Metatron? You guessed where I'd gone. I know you, Marissa. What did you say? I lied and lied, Azrael. Let's not wait too long. I can't bear it. We won't survive, will we? We came here to give Lyra time to find her demon. And then time to live and to grow up. If we take Metatron to extinction, Marissa, she'll have that time. And you love your daughter? Yes. Kiss me. I told Metatron I was going to betray you. And betray Lyra, and he believed me because I'm corrupt and wicked. I wanted him to find no good in me, and he didn't. There is none. But I love Lyra, and I was so afraid he'd see. My darling. Any moment now, he'll lose patience. Lyra will be safe, and the kingdom will be powerless against her. Call him now, Marissa, my love. Metatron, it's time. I am here. Lord Azrael leaps at Metatron, seizing him by the waist, trying to grapple him to the ground. Lord Azrael's arms hold the angel's wings, cramping them to his side, and a moment later, Mrs. Coulter has seized Metatron's hair. With a sudden massive effort, Metatron flings himself sideways, freeing one wing and crushing Mrs. Coulter against a rock. 
Metatron has lifted a fist-sized stone and has brought it down with brutal force. The golden monkey sinks its teeth into the angel's hand, and Mrs. Coulter gathers the great white beating wing to herself and smothers its movements. Lord Azrael is weakening, but still he tries to hurl the angel over into the abyss. Mrs. Coulter finds the angel's face, and she digs her fingers deep into his eyes. Metatron spreads both wings wide. He's flying with Lord Azrael, still clinging tight, the golden monkey's fingers tangled in his hair. If they fly higher, Lord Azrael will fall and Metatron escape. With a snow leopard beside her, Lyra's mother hurls herself against the angel, her demon and her dying lover seizing the beating wings, bearing them all down together into the abyss. Out on the plain, the cliff ghasts hear Lyra's dismay and their flat heads snap round at once. Will springs forward with the knife, slashing the nearest of them. Tialis leaps to land on the cheek of the biggest, kicking her hard in the jaw with his poisoned spur before she can throw him off. The creature howls and falls in the mud. Tialis! He's dead, Will. The ghast fell on him after he stung her. Oh, Lady Salmachia, I'm so sorry. Our lives are at an end. Better to have a useful death. Please, Lyra, put me next to him so I can say goodbye. There. Thank you. Perhaps you should see who is trapped in that crystal cage. He seems very distressed. He's placing his hand against mine through the crystal. I've never seen someone so old. Let's get him out. There's no door. He's sealed inside. Cut through. Will cuts through the crystal in one movement and reaches in. The angel can only weep and mumble in fear, shrinking away from what must seem like another threat. We won't hurt you. Take my hand. Will, he's trying to smile. He's as light as paper. He's the authority, isn't he? And the authority responds to kindness like a flower to the sun. But in the open air, there is nothing to stop the wind from damaging him. To their dismay, his shape begins to loosen and dissolve. I think I can hear horses, and Lord Azriel has no cavalry. It's polar bears, not horses. A regiment of armored bears makes directly for them, ready to engage with the enemy soldiers. Yorick! Will, Lyra, run for the trees in the valley! Your demons are there! Cause me, old comrade. I have never seen this before. You are dead. What am I speaking to? Yarrick, old feller, you don't know the half of it. We'll take over now. Lyra, we'll come this way and hold up the knife. Children, don't waste a second. Find your demons and escape. More dangers coming. Yorick, my dear. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you, King Yorick. No time. Go! Go! Will plunges after Lee Scoresby's ghost into the undergrowth, slashing to the right and left with his knife. Keep close. Some of the ghosts are here among the trees. They'll protect you. Lyra! Come quick, please! Lyra! Pan! Darling! I'm here! There! See him by that big rock? Two wildcats, 
Their backs arched and fur on end are spitting and hissing as a spectre eases horribly out of the nearest patch of shadow and glides towards them. Will leaps over the last obstacle, a fallen tree trunk, and plunges the knife into the unresisting shimmer in the air. The demons are mad with fear as more and more spectres come pressing through the trees with only the brave ghosts holding them back. It's good to do a bit of hand-to-hand -hand combat, even if we're both lacking hands. Well, can you cut through? I think so. Get hold of the demons. Take them through into another world. Come on. Oh, I've got... I've got pan, Lyra. Go through now! Goodbye, Mr. Scoresby. I wish... I hope you find Hester. Goodbye. Goodbye, my dear child. Goodbye, Will. Go, Will! Father? Dad? You said I was a warrior, but you were wrong. I fought because I had to. I can't choose what I am, but I can choose what I do. Well done, my boy. Well done indeed. Father? John Parry and Lee Scoresby allow their atoms to drift apart at long last. Close the window, Will. Night passes. Now a wide golden prairie lies under the early light of morning. Lyra and Will are silent, and so still and pale they might be dead. Near them are the little graves they dug the previous night for the bodies of the Chevalier Tialis and the Lady Salmachia. Where are the demons? I haven't seen Pan since we came through. I don't think he's far away. But they've run off again. Yeah, yours jumped out of my arm. But... This time it doesn't feel as if we're really separating. Not like before. And I bet they've kept together. Yeah, they would. Look, Lyra, over there. They're on wheels. Weird or what? They look like a cross between an antelope and a motorcycle. They're coming this way. I don't feel like fighting anybody right now. Let me ask the ethiometer. Oh, they're friendly, Will. Oh, that's a relief. And they're looking for us. And Dr Malone. She's in this world. Welcome, children. Mary Malone's waiting. We'll carry you. First we get to ride on the back of a polar bear, and now we get to ride on a... Mulefa. Lyra! Dr Malone! How did you get here? I'll explain when you've rested. And this must be Will. We're from the same world. Yes, Lyra told me about you. Has she? Well, come and eat. You both look half-starved. This is my house. Come in. Come in. Next morning, Lyra wakes to find a shirt of Mary's and a length of patterned cloth that she can tie into a skirt. She puts them on. They feel clean, but enormous. Pan, I know you're there. I can hear you. Please come back. Look, we can spend hours talking and telling each other everything. I'm going for a swim in the river, in case you're interested. Will, wake up. Where are we? Where's the knife? We're safe. And your knife's exactly where you left it. Where are my clothes? Dr Malone's washed them. Here. You can put them on underneath your blanket. Thanks. Your hair's wet. I went for a swim. I thought I heard Pan, but our demons are still annoyed with us. Oh, a swim would be brilliant. I don't suppose there's anything to use as a towel. No. You seem dry in the sun, though. OK. See you shortly. Whilst Will is gone, 
Lyra wanders round the village, trying not to look too closely in case it's considered rude. Will returns, the water sleeking his hair, his face gleaming. Mary comes to join the children, carrying flatbread and fruit for their breakfast. And you met angels? Yeah, Baruch and Balthamos. Baruch died, but we're not sure where Balthamos is. Angels can die? Now that's the opposite of what I was taught. After you came to see me in Oxford that second time, I made a programme like you said, so the shadows could talk to me through the computer. Actually, they said they were angels. Angels? I could accept that. I'd done a degree and then I'd become an novitiate, you know, entered a convent. I was good at physics, so they let me continue. Then I went to a conference in Lisbon. I was such an innocent. I was downright holy, and that lasted until half past nine on the evening of August the 10th, seven years ago. Some of my colleagues asked me to go to a restaurant with them. We sat in the garden under a lemon tree. I found myself opposite a man I didn't know. He was Italian and about my age. He was nice and clever and funny. And Sister Mary Malone started flirting. Then somebody passed me some marzipan and I suddenly remembered the first time I tasted it. I'd been at a party when I was a young girl, about your age, Lyra. It was a friend's birthday party and she was having a disco. She was having a what? You dance to music that's been recorded. And there was a birthday cake with marzipan on it. And a boy I really liked suddenly took a chunk off the cake and popped it into my mouth. I fell in love with him just for that, for the gentle way he touched my lips with marzipan. And then we kissed. So, anyway, at half past nine in the evening, at the Portuguese restaurant table, someone gave me a piece of marzipan, and it all came back. I thought, will anyone be better off if I go straight to the hotel and pray and confess? Of course not. Then, after the meal, we went for a walk by the sea, and that was it. I stopped being a nun. Did you kiss? I left the church first. Did you marry him? No, I didn't marry anyone. I found I was happy on my own. What was the boy called at the party? Tim. What did he look like? Nice. That's all I remember. Lyra tries to stop herself trembling with a new excitement. That night, Mary Malone wakes from a fitful sleep and goes to stand at the doorway of her house, watching the cloud shadows speeding over the distant grassland. I've never seen it like this. Everything so obviously aware. Perhaps if I go to the grove, I can work out what's happening to the shadow particles. My tree! Oh, the platforms and smithereens! I look through the amber spyglass. The clouds are being driven across the moon. But the whole sky's flowing with dust in the opposite direction, as if it's emptying out of the world. The wind, the trees, everything is trying to put up a barrier against the loss of the dust. Matter loves dust. That's what all this means. <sighs> but meanwhile, Father Gomez approaches the village. That movement, is it? He's carrying a rifle. The shadows are clustered around it. He's looking this way. 
No, no! Don't look over here! He's find my house. The children. He's going in. He's come out. So what's he up to? So, the table's in front of the door because... A man, I don't know who he was. I thought we were the only humans here, but he looked in while you were both asleep. Maybe the man had just wandered through from his world. I don't know. Now, I'm worried about you going off on your own. He may be lurking. If he just turned around and went away, he can't have meant to do anything bad. And we've got to find our demons, Mary. I suppose you can see someone coming from a long way off. And we can always escape into another world. True. I packed you some food in case you're out all day. Bread, cheese and some thirst-quenching red fruits. Like a cross between strawberries and apples. There you go. Who's going to carry it? Me. I don't mind. No, it's all right. Well, good hunting, but please, take care. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Mary seems different today. She was spooked by whoever it was last night. And she's probably homesick. Maybe she's sad about the man she was in love with. Do you think we'll ever get home? Not sure I've got a home to go to anymore. They can't have me back at Jordan College, cos it's all men. And I can hardly live with the bears or witches. What about Lord Asriel's new world? It's going to fail. Your father said that demons only survive in their own world. He'll have done all that work for nothing. You have to build a republic in your own world. It wasn't for nothing, even if it doesn't last. Yeah, but it won't be how he'd imagined it. Yeah. I'm wondering what shape my demon will eventually become. Suppose we don't find them. Then I'll never know. I picked up your demon by mistake when we came through the window. She was a cat. She and Pan looked almost identical. When do they stop changing shape? Soon. There's things in the grass. You can only see them out of the corner of your eye. Do you think it's them? Yeah, it's them. But come on, there's that fallen tree. Let's go and have a look. Our demons might follow. You're right. They're keeping up. They want to be found, don't they? And I keep wanting to turn around. When we've gone back, what are you going to do? Go home. I'll have to. What about the men that were after you? We've seen worse. Yeah, I suppose so. But I wanted to show you Jordan College and the Fens. I wanted us to... Yeah, me too. But there's my mother. I just left her with a neighbour. It's not fair on either of them. None of it's fair on you. It's a different sort of not fair. It's like an earthquake. There's no one to blame. But I bet the secret's out by now. My mum's probably in an institution. When I'm old enough, I can look after her properly, in my own home. So, do you think you'll get married? I've never thought about it. How about you? I wouldn't marry anyone in my world. <laughs> Ugly lot, are they? <laughs> are you keeping the knife? I can hardly give it to someone else, can I? Don't look. They're right behind us. I thought as much. We had to leave them, didn't we? There was no choice. You'd made a promise to Roger. And you had to speak to your father. And we had to let the ghosts out. Pam will be very glad one day. Because when I die, we won't be split up. Just stop a minute. I'm thirsty. You can't do this in my world. Drink out of every stream. Most are poisoned. How? It's because of the way we live. 
They dip their hot faces in the brook and drink deeply. Lyra's heart is suddenly beating so fast, she feels the pulse in her throat. Father Gomez, the assassin, watches them from the top of the ridge. He is now convinced that the girl and boy are walking towards mortal sin, so he takes aim through his telescopic sight. The girl looks like an angel. And I look even more like an angel. What? Who are you? Where are you? I am beside you. I have your demon. Put down the gun, or I'll pull the demon even further away from you. Keep still and be quiet. Who are you? My name is Balthamos, and I am an avenging angel. Will and Lyra follow the stream into the wood. Now the demons have vanished again. They are completely alone. They take off their shoes and sit down on the mossy rocks at the edge of the stream, dipping their feet in the cold water. I'm hungry. Me too. They unfold the cloth and eat some bread and cheese. Their hands are slow and clumsy. They hardly taste the food. Then Lyra takes one of the little red fruits, and with a fast-beating heart, she turns to Will. She lifts the fruit gently to his mouth. She can see from his eyes that he is too joyful to speak. Her fingers are still at his lips. Lyra! Around them there is nothing but silence as if the whole world is holding its breath. They kiss for the first time. But I am terrified. I move upstream, taking Father Gomez away from the woods, holding the insect demon which bites and scratches and stings, all the time trying to remain hidden. He mustn't catch me up. An angel of my low rank and poor health is no match for a man. Flesh is stronger in combat. Stop! Stop! Let's talk! Come away from the wood. How can I follow when I can't see you? I only know to keep moving because of the pain. You're taking my demon too far from me and... You're leaving wet footprints on the rock. I know where you are! Feathers. You have wings. I told you. I am an angel. I thought with your background you'd have more respect. Talk here. Please. My demon, you don't know how much this separation hurts. I can't do you any harm. Stop, please. Sit down where you are. Not a step closer. What do you want? I want to kill you. But I haven't the strength. But you are an angel. What does it matter? You've made a mistake. We're on the same side. I know whose side you're on. No, no, don't move. Stay there. It's not too late to repent. Even rebel angels are allowed to do that. Let me hear your confession. Oh, Baruch, help me. <laughs> Father Gomez leaps. He hurls himself hard at me, expecting much more resistance than he meets. His momentum carries him down to the stream. Father Gomez falls and cracks his head against the stone. He's stunned. He chokes with his face in the stream. He tries feebly to rise. The demon stings my eyes and mouth, and I use all the little strength I have to hold the man's head down in the water, and I keep it there. And the demon vanishes. Oh, Baruch. My dear Baruch. 
I can do no more. Will and Lyra are safe and everything shall be well. All manner of things shall be well. Baruch, my beloved. Mary, the dust, it's different. I'll have to look through the amber spyglass to see it. Yes. The dust isn't flowing away anymore. It's falling. Like snowflakes. Oh, the flowers on the wheel trees. They'll be pollinated. No more bad harvests. Here's Lyra and Will. Mary, they seem to be made of living gold. The dust from the stars has found a living home again. Because these young people are saturated with love for each other. It is night time and the two demons move through the silent Mulefa village, padding in and out of the shadows in cat form, pausing outside Mary Malone's open door, peering inside, then slipping back into the night. They walk towards the tree where the two children are fast asleep in each other's arms, and they touch them. Will's demon gently cleaning his fast healing hand, and Pantalaimon lifting the hair from Lyra's face. They hear a sound behind them and immediately become wolves, baring their teeth, menace in their every line. A woman stands outlined by the moon. Come with me. Serafina Pekala! Shh! Change into birds and fly to where we can talk. Come up into this tree. Listen to me. In leaving you both on the shores of the world of the dead, Lyra and Will did something without knowing it. You are still whole beings, but now you can roam free and see strange things and bring back knowledge. Now, I know Pantalaimon, but Will's demon, what are you called? I'm not sure. I didn't know I existed until I was torn from Will's heart. Then I shall name you Kiyava. Now, it's time to return to your humans. They need your help. You have to tell them what you know. All the windows must be closed, and your humans must return separately to their own worlds. <laughs> now I'm going to speak to Mary Malone. Serafina Pekala flies down to the hut on her cloud bind. Where are Lyra and Will? There, asleep under that tree. They went looking for the demons today, but something else happened. They fell in love. You have a demon too, sister. I do? Mm-hmm. He's a little black bird with red legs and a slightly curved, bright yellow beak. A bird of the mountains. An alpine chuff. How can I see him? <laughs> you may glimpse him if you half close your eyes. Right. I'll try. What I've come to tell you is that the children must return separately to their own worlds. The windows between them must be sealed and the subtle knife broken. The demons will help, but you must comfort them too. They're in love? I know. Can you see dust, Serafina? No. Until the wars began, I'd never even heard of it. I made an amber spyglass which lets you see it. Here. <gasps> that is dust. Oh, it's beautiful. Turn to the tree where Will and Lyra are sleeping. Oh, they're bathed in gold. They did this? Yes. Because they saw each other differently and the dust was suddenly and powerfully attracted to them. It stopped flowing away. Oh, so that was how it was to happen. 
I met an angel. Her name was Zephania. She told me that all the history of human life had been a struggle between wisdom and stupidity. She and the other rebel angels, the followers of wisdom, had always tried to open people's minds. The authority and magisterium had always tried to keep them closed. And the struggle isn't over. They'll regroup under a new commander. We must be ready to resist. So what's happened to Lord Azrael? He and Mrs. Coulter fought the Regent of Heaven, the Angel Metatron, and they wrestled him down into the Abyss. They're all gone. They won't become ghosts and defy death? No, their atoms were destroyed. Once in my world, I saw Mrs. Coulter torture a witch, and I swore this arrow would find its mark in her throat. I must now break it. She sacrificed herself with Lord Asriel to save Lyra. Oh, how can we tell Lyra that her parents are dead? Wait until she asks. And she has her symbol reader. That will tell her anything she wants to know. Can you foretell what they'll choose to do? No. But if Lyra returns to her own world, then I shall be her sister for as long as she lives. What will you do, Mary? I suppose I belong in my own world. I'll be sorry to leave this one. I've been very happy here. The happiest I've been in my whole life. When we part soon, we'll part forever. At the same moment, the demons are approaching Will and Lyra as they sleep under the tree. Lyra? Pan? This is Kiava. Will's demon. Kiava. My demon? Serafina Pekala named me. Serafina Pekala came to us just now. Pan! What is it? What's the matter? Aren't you pleased to see me again? It's something terrible. We have to tell you something terrible. It's about dust. It was all flowing away down the abyss that you saw in the world of the dead. That golden light was dust. And it's still leaking away into nothing. And it mustn't. It's got to stay in the worlds. Otherwise, everything good will die. Well, every time we made an opening between worlds, us or the old guild philosophers, we cut into the same emptiness that exists at the bottom of the abyss. You must close every opening for good. Every one. No. There's no choice. So one of us must choose to live in the other's world? We can't exist in each other's worlds without being affected. My father was dying after ten years. All the windows must be closed. Who said? A female angel. We can make just a small window and we close it up each time, so hardly any dust got out. No. Spectres. What about them? We found out where they come from. They're the children of the abyss. Every time we open a window with the subtle knife, it makes a spectre. That's why Chittagatse was so full of them. And they grow by feeding on dust. And demons are sort of similar to dust. Grown-up demons, anyway. Will, remember Yurik Bernison saying that the knife has intentions, too? That must be it. We can't let the spectres out. If one of us stays in the other's world, that should work. Your father didn't have any doctors to help him. He was a shaman. He knew more than most doctors, and he was still very sick. But if we ask Dr Malone, there might be specialist doctors and research in that. No. No. Another thing my father said. We have to build the Republic of Heaven where we are, in our own worlds. I thought he just meant Lord Asriel. But he meant us. We have to live in our own worlds. I'm going to ask the alethiometer. That'll say. I don't know why I didn't think of it before. Lyra, what's wrong? I 
can't remember what it means. I don't understand it anymore. It's left me. It was easy all the time I needed to know stuff. For rescuing Roger and helping Eric Bernison. But it's got more difficult. I thought it was because I was tired, but it wasn't. Lyra, here's the angel we saw. William Parry, I have come to ask you to help me. How can I help an angel? Show me how to close the openings that the knife makes. In return, can you help us? Not in the way you want. Your sorrow has left traces in the air. Why can't I read the alethiometer anymore? You read it by grace. And you can regain it by work. Yeah, but how long will that take? A lifetime. Grace attained like that is deeper and fuller than grace that comes freely. And all the windows have to be closed. Understand this. Dust is not a constant. There's not a fixed quantity. Conscious beings make dust. They renew it all the time by thinking and feeling, reflecting and gaining wisdom and passing it on. And if you help everyone else in your worlds to do that, then they will renew enough dust to replace what is lost through one single window. So there could be one left open? Yes. We can't, Will. We have to leave one open for the dead. We're going to be alone. I've always been alone, till now. And I have to give everything up. Everything. Why should I? Will. All right. I'll show you how to close a window. But I'll have to open one first. Are there many windows to close? Thousands. And there's also the terrible abyss made by the bomb and the great opening that Lord Asriel created. Can you feel the edge in the air? Yes. That's what has to be pinched shut. Tomorrow you must cut your way through to your worlds, then close them forever. Then you must break the knife, gather the pieces and guard them. Will, I want to live with you forever. I know that. I'll always love you. And when I find my way out of the world of the dead, I'll find you. We'll live on in birds and clouds. And when they want to use our atoms to make a new life, they won't be able to take just one. They'll have to take two, one from each of us. We'll be joined so tight. Do you remember in Chitigatsu? I'd never seen a demon before. And then he spoke. I like you immediately. I liked you first. No, you didn't. Oh, look at our demons. They're different. Pan, are you fixed now? Is this what you're always going to be? Yes. I'm a pine martin. And I'm a cat. A lustrous larger than normal cat. A new mood has taken hold of Will. He moves his hand from Lyra's wrist and strokes the red gold of Pantalaimon's fur. Lyra gasps. Her surprise is mixed with pleasure, like the feeling when she'd put the fruit to his lips. With a racing heart, she places her hand on the silky warmth of Kiava, knowing Will is feeling exactly the same thing. Neither demon will change now. These are their shapes for life. And Will and Lyra hold each other close as the earth turns slowly and the moon and the stars blaze over them. The final day in paradise has arrived. Goodbye, Mary. Here is a lacquer file containing wheel tree oil and a bag of seeds. 
Oh, don't forget me, Mary. Never. I never forget you and the kindness of your people, Atal. Now, we must leave and find the window to take us back to Chitigatze. Thank you. Goodbye. Here's the window. Lyra, Will, are you ready to go through? Yeah, I suppose so. Serafina, are the spectres still there? No, don't worry. Zephania has destroyed them. Right. Goodbye, world of the Mulefa. <clears throat> I'll seal this. Can I come a little way into Will's Oxford with him? Yes, but only for a short time. There's something I have to do. Lyra, there's our cafe. Wonder why we both chose it in the first place. That fizzy drink went up my nose. And you didn't know what a fridge was. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the window into my Oxford. When I left, it was guarded by police on the other side. It still is. I'll seal it up, then cut through further along. That'll surprise the constabulary the next time they look. Now, I'll walk a few paces. Mary, do you know where this is? It's North Oxford. I want to go to the Botanic Garden. Is that all right, Serafina? Yes. Let's all go through. It is the rush hour on the high street. But as they turn down the steps opposite Maudlin College, towards the gate of the Botanic Garden, Will and Lyra are completely alone. Will, I used to come here, in my Oxford, and sit on this exact bench whenever I wanted to be alone. Just me and Pan. What I thought was that if you, maybe just once a year, if we could come here at the same time, on Midsummer's Day, at noon, as long as we live, and later, if we meet someone we like, and if we marry them, we mustn't make comparisons all the time, but just keep coming here once a year. Lyra. Will. My love, it's time. Lyra. Being cheerful starts now. Yeah. We'll never be apart. Not really. I love you. Lyra. It's time. Will. Come back with me to my flat. Perhaps we can work something out. I may be able to... Well, we can help your mother. Goodbye, sister. Serafina, I... Goodbye, sister. Come on, Pan. Goodbye, Kiava. The knife will break when the window is finally sealed. Three weeks later, Lyra is sitting on the bench in the Botanic Garden in her Oxford. It's midnight. The master has given Lyra her own key to the garden door so she can come and go as she pleases. Pan revels in showing off his ability to climb trees and slink secretly through the shrubs and plants. Pan? What? Will's father said the kingdom of heaven was over. But he said we had to build something in its place. That's why we need our full lives. We would have gone with Will and Kiryatha, wouldn't we? Yes. Or they would have come with us. But we couldn't do what Will's father told us we must. Not if we put ourselves first. We had to come back, Lyra. On our own. Somehow, we have to build the Republic of Heaven here. And they shall.
In The Amber Spyglass by Philip Pullman, dramatized by Lavinia Murray, Lyra was played by Lulu Popplewell, Will by Daniel Anthony, Lord Asriel by Terence Stamp, Mrs. Coulter by Emma Fielding, and Balthamos by Ray Fearon. Baruch was played by Steve Toussaint, Mary Malone by Brige Brennan, The Boatman by Trevor Peacock, Lord Roke by Adrian Scarborough, Lady Salmachia by Joanna Monroe, and Tialis by David Timson. Serafina Pekela was played by Tracy Ann Oberman, The Inquirer by David Calder, King Ogunwe by Bert Caesar, Zephania by Jenny Stoller, Metatron by Philip Maddock, and No Name by Adua Ando. Armour was played by Jasmine Hyde, Attle by Laura Doddington, Jane by Emma Williams, and Dr. Cooper by Martin Hyder. Lee Scoresby was played by Peter Marinka, Stanislaw Grumman by Jack Claff, Pavel by Stuart Fox, and Yorick Bjornesson by Steve Hodson. Pantalaimon was played by Richard Firth, Kiyava by Carla Simpson, Ozymandias by David Holt, Roger by Lee Conwell, The Ghost Girl by Sumaya Keynes, The Ghost Children by Victoria O'Donnell and Greg Prentice, and Lyra's Death by Scott Brooksbank. Technical presentation was by Peter Ringrose, Colin Guthrie, Richard Beadsmore and Paul Arnold. The music was composed and realised by Billy Cowie. The Amber Spyglass was directed by David Hunter for BBC Radio 4 and published by BBC Audio Books. Thank you for listening and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.